Look, payday's awesome, but running payroll, calculating taxes and deductions, staying compliant, that's not easy. Unless, of course, you have Gusto. Gusto is a simple online payroll and benefits tool built for small businesses like yours. Gusto gets your team paid while automatically filing your payroll taxes. Plus, you can offer benefits like 401k, health insurance, and workers' comp, and it makes onboarding new employees a breeze. We love it so much, we really do use it ourselves, and we have four years, and I personally recommend you give it a try, no matter how small your business is. And to sweeten the deal, just for listening today, you also get three months free. Go to gusto.com slash boss. that's gusto.com slash boss. Hello, and welcome to Being Boss, episode number 68. This episode is brought to you by FreshBooks Cloud Accounting. Being boss in work and life is being in it. It's being who we are, doing the work, breaking some rules, and even though we each have to do it on our own, being boss is knowing we're in it together. Today we are getting a little personal and talking about the earth. Turns out that Amy <laughs> and I might be kind of a little bit of hippies at heart. I'm a total fucking um, hippie. Both very much environmentalists. And we thought it would be fun to talk about what we do to try and live sustainable lives and make a difference whenever it comes to the impact that we're making on the earth. And I think the hardest part about this conversation, and obviously we'll get into it, is that nobody's perfect. And it can be really overwhelming, especially for as much as stuff as is going on on our planet right now. But um, yeah, let's dig in a little bit. So if you guys are into the environment and kind of thinking about ideas of what you can do to make the planet that we live on a little bit more in- inhabitable for our future generations, uh, tune in. Okay, before we get into all things green, one of the things that I love about just my business in general right now is how paperless it is. And I was even thinking back to whenever I first started freelancing, I was printing out um, like job jackets to keep track of my projects. I had binders full of information and paper, and I have gone almost completely paperless. And that includes paperless billing through FreshBooks. FreshBooks is the easy to use invoicing software that helps freelancers, small business owners, and creative entrepreneurs bill and get paid like bosses. And paperless billing is the way to go, you guys. I feel like the way that money exchange has gone in the past few years, you don't even have to worry about getting checks in the mail. You don't have to worry about losing checks in the mail. You don't have to worry about the time it takes to send out and print an invoice. You can just, with the click of a button, send your invoice and get paid like a boss. Try FreshBooks for free by going to freshbooks.com slash beingboss and enter beingboss in the how did you hear about us section. All right, Emily, it's Earth Week. Yes. Tell me a little bit about your background as an environmentalist. Well, I live on the earth, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I like to breathe fresh air. Um, but even let's let's not go back that far. I have a degree in geography, um, and I got it because, funnily enough, I started taking geography classes 
because I didn't want to take biology or um, or chemistry. <laughs> so I sort of fell into a geography class um, for one of my requirements, and I absolutely fell in love with it. So I think the first class I took with was atmospheric processes. Um, so we learned like weather patterns and climate and those sorts of things. And then um, I had to take uh, landscape processes, which is about like how mountains are formed and rivers and um, oceans and ocean currents and those sorts of things. And um, I absolutely loved it. We had, um, I had a professor whose name was Dr. Fern and David was taking geography classes as well. And she was probably one of my favorite people that I've ever met. She was this sweet sweet lady who uh, was super knowledgeable about trees and about bugs and plants in a way that David and I always joked about, like wanting to have a pocket fern, <laughs> like a little mini Dr. Fern who we could carry around in our pockets. And um, she could go on hikes with us <laughs> and um, around town and tell us about all the things that we were seeing around us that uh, we didn't know what they were. So geography degree. Um, after this first couple of classes, I dove into some um, cultural geography things. I also took some um, anthropology classes and linguistics to really dive into some of the cultural processes of like humans of the past. And um, yeah, I'm at least somewhat educated on the earth. Geography is literally the study of the earth. And it gave me a really great understanding of both processes in terms of land and atmosphere and cultures, but also what we call in geography, the geographic eye, <laughs> which is the ability to, to see a lot of what is happening in the world through the scope of seeing it as a whole. And it all referenced in terms of space. I had no idea I co-hosted a podcast with such a nerd. Oh, I you have no idea how nerdy I am. So I also have like a, a certification in geographic information systems, meaning I should know how to process data and come up with smart things by looking at maps and mapping things on computers. Um, and I also took a lot of French and minor in art history. I'm super nerd. You have no idea. So my first job out of college was working at an alternative weekly newspaper. And I remember they bought a GIS system because we were doing a lot of infographics and things like that. And occasionally would have a map. And they tried training me on this, like, <laughs> GIS system. So Literally, I'm, like, tw 20 years old, right out of college, or 22, however old you are, I'm going to graduate college. I'm right out of college, and you know me. Like, I am definitely not the most technically yeah. savvy, detailed person. That stuff is intense. So GIS uh, software is actually why I ended up getting into digital design because the defaults are really just like settings period in GIS software makes the ugliest maps on the planet. And I love maps. Like I think maps are beautiful. I, we have some like, old prints of like, maps. I'll just do this from scratch. Exactly. And I've done that. Like I remember like doing projects for my GIS class and what was coming out of the GIS software was so ugly that I would actually export it as PDFs and pull it into Illustrator. And that's actually where I learned, started learning Illustrator was by not settling for GIS maps. That is so funny. The thing that I always love the most about designing um, wedding invitations, whenever I first started my few minutes career doing that was... Um, the RSVP cards, surprisingly. I and love designing maps. RSVP cards and then the maps. Yes. yes. Okay. So my background with being a little environmentalist was a little bit more like 
I was 15 years old and dabbling my toes into being a hippie. And it was all about like peace, love, and earth, Mother Gaia. Like, so I kind of came at it from like a really trendy right. way. But I had a lot of friends, like we had an environmentalist club after school and we would go pick up trash from the creek behind the school, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And I remember whenever I was a kid being really affected and I don't know if this is like, if there was some sort of 1990s campaign, kind of like how there's the war on drugs and like, don't do, dare, dare to be a kid that doesn't do drugs, whatever those t-shirts were. I feel like there were also environmentalist campaigns happening around the same time that really got me riled up and freaked out like the earth was about to crumble. And then as I got older, I found that I kind of fell out of picking up trash on the weekends for fun at my local creek. Or like, oh, I remember what it was when I was younger. It was that you're supposed to cut the um, Coke can. You know the rings yes. that go around Coke cans? And because that will choke ducks. ducks. <laughs> so I was always really insistent about doing my part to save the world by cutting the Coke rings. You know, stuff like that. Yeah. Well, and I remember all of that stuff, too, whenever we were kids. But I, like, I never really got, I mean, obviously terrified of, you know, the things they were talking about. Because they all, like, all those elementary school things that they would take me to, like, I always seriously took them to heart and would go home and, like, you know, make my entire family, like, brush their teeth for two minutes in front of me so I could make sure they were doing it right. Um, Yes, brushing your teeth. I remember learning that in elementary school, too. Right? And then being convinced that I'd done it wrong for years and all of my teeth were going to rot out. Um, but, but for me, I never really got, really got into it until it was, until it was in college. So like, I didn't have like the preteen hippie phase that a lot of people do. And it's especially surprising if you know me now, because I'm totally an adult hippie, probably like I'm the adult modern hippie. That's the term I like to use. Um, because that sounds better than just hippie um but for me it was like getting in school and the way my brain works like me and my metrics and like needing to see numbers and like flow charts and shit like that it was it was really getting into the science of it and like learning all of this stuff from an academic standpoint that really sort of set me on that path really hardcore for being seriously concerned for what was going on um because like you can hear about things in documentaries and in little school like settings and those sorts of things but for me it was like academics like getting into school and and seeing what was happening from that standpoint um that made me want to be more active or at least at least be more self-aware um than I ever had been before and you know I think that some of those campaigns when you're a kid like make sure that you cut the coke rings I think that they do a disservice to what we could actually be doing to be environmentalists because those are the kinds of things that when you grow up and get older, you get discouraged because you realize, like, what? I just shouldn't be buying the Coke in the first place. Yeah, exactly. And that little things like that, at least this is the way that I feel, little things like that aren't really making a huge difference. And I think it's the same reason why people don't rock the vote because especially if they live in a state whose politics don't align with theirs at all. It's hard to feel like you're making a difference whenever everything seems so big and overwhelming and messed up. Like, how are you going to make a little bit of a difference? So let's talk a little bit about that. Like, I would love to hear on a daily basis, or maybe let's start here. What what issues around the earth are concerning you the most right now? For me, what, like, is seriously scaring the pants off of me 
like on an ongoing basis is like climate change. And and I know that this has like been a really big topic, but whenever you've grown up the past like I don't know, 10 years like I have being surrounded by professors and um, and like the fact that I still have it on my flipboard, on my iPad, like the things that come in um, in terms of what is happening with, with climate change and on the planet is really creepy. And then um, what really, really hit it home for me, because I remember like global warming and who doesn't remember like Al Gore trying to tell everyone about global warming on the coldest day on record in New York City. <laughs> But um, and is this also where you tell us that he invented the internet? I feel like obviously, <laughs> duh. No, but have so, you watched his documentary? Um, I think I watched part of it. Like, and it's actually really good. Is it? Well, mm-hmm. I don't know. That was so long ago. Maybe I have watched the whole thing. I know I, I've at least seen part of it. I don't know. It's if called I've seen the an whole inconvenient thing. truth. Yes. Um. So you know, I remember like when all of that was happening, and um, like it being called global warming and then that becoming seriously controversial because humans hate naming things that offend them (laughs) um and but now like climate change what really hit home for me though was whenever we went on our road trip this past summer so I went on a road trip whenever like a cross-country road trip whenever I was a kid and I remember quite a bit of it I think I was like 11 or 12 and then this past summer we took our 40-day like trek across the country um and just sort of seeing some of the changes um but then also talking to a lot of the people about what had been happening locally um was really devastating to me in a lot of ways and in several parts of the country I remember it being like super specific um for example, we stopped to hang out with a friend of ours from high school in the eastern Sierra Nevadas, and he's lived in that area for a couple of years. And they were saying how, I mean, we were there in June, and they said that, you know, in years past, there would be snow that would be on the on the mountains until the 4th of July. And the 4th of July was very often the last official snowing or snow skiing day. Um, but we were there in mid-June and it had not had any snow for like a month and a half before then or seeing um, all of the lakes that had literally dried up before people's eyes in the past five to 10 years um, and those sorts of things. So sort of living in it, like we literally lived <laughs> on the earth, like in the earth, like camping and driving and being in the trees and on the ground for 40 days was a really sort of life altering experience for me in terms of what we are doing to the planet and how we're not making changes fast enough, I don't believe to fix anything that we've broken so far. What about you? (laughs) So one that hits close to home and keeps me up at night, literally, is the fracking. So as of right now, today, which is the day that we're recording this, is April 14th? 13th. We've had one earthquake today, 34 earthquakes in the past seven days, 201 earthquakes in the past month, 3,357 earthquakes in the past year. Now, I've looked at the history of earthquakes, and again, I can't quote on this because I don't have the statistics right in front of me, but we maybe had like 14 earthquakes a year. And we're talking little teeny tiny ones that are only captured by um, equipment that captures that sort of thing. Now, still a lot of those earthquakes are like that. Like, I don't feel every single earthquake that is reported, but 
I wake up often and I'm like, oh, is that an earthquake? Like I feel them a lot. And this is happening because of drilling and fracking. So what that is, is like, oh, it's a way to get natural gas by pumping water into the earth and then they have to clean the water. I mean, there's so much stuff around it and I'm actually not entirely educated. And I think that this is why it's hard. This is why it feels hard to be an environmentalist sometimes because I cannot make it my full-time job to know the facts um, or to understand it enough to feel like I'm allowed to have an opinion on it. But the truth is, I don't need to know that this is bad for the earth to have an opinion. You know, I don't have to know all the ins and outs of it to know that it's bad. It's bad. Um, so fracking is a concern of mine. And they started trying to like frack near a lake that my parents live by, which is where Oklahoma City gets its drinking water from. Um, and it's all about money. And it's all about the oil industry and rich people getting richer. And I understand that a lot of people get jobs from this, but we've got to put the earth as a priority. And I feel so crunchy saying that, but it is so important. So recently I've decided, and we can get more into this later, um, but I'm having a really, really hard time paying taxes to a state that does not support my values at all. So that's one way that I decided that maybe I can try and make a difference is to um, not only vote with my dollars, but vote with where I live. So we can talk more about that later. My other second biggest concern is probably factory farming and what's going on with food. Even whenever I buy organic, and again, you have to pick your battles. I remember one time I had someone a comment on one of my posts where I was eating quinoa and they were like, how do you feel about the exploitation of quinoa farmers? And I was like, (sighs) (laughs) like, I can only do, like, I can only do so much. Right. And that's what I want to get across here is that you can only do so much, but, but you can do something. (laughs) You can do something. And so factory farming is one of those other things where I just started eating meat again after 17 years Um, I've been eating it for probably a little over a year now, and I always try and ethically source my meat and make sure that it's as local as possible, that it's pastured, that it is grass-fed, you know, that sort of thing. Um, I try and buy organic, but those are things that really concern me and and make me a little afraid for my kid's future and his kid's future and so on. Yeah, I definitely, I I agree. The the farming and like changing of our food in general sort of scares me. And like my, my, one of my best friends is on the side of like, of like, we're humans. This is science. Science is good. Therefore, what we're doing is good. And like, so there is certainly that mindset. And I think in a lot of, and obviously like every opinion has weight. Um, But I think the thing that scares me the most about all of these things, whether it's, whether it's fracking and like pulling out natural resources and like the reason why fracking is a thing is because it allows humans to pull out natural resources such as natural gas and oil um, more quickly than any other any other process that we have to do so so I mean it literally is profit like it is for profit that this is being done and the same thing for food like we are genetically altering food and animals so that we can more cheaply 
harvest them <laughs> and so that we can grow them more efficiently, which is all about profit. Um, and a lot of climate change is around um, pumping fuel into the air so that you can generate profit. And it's so that, or cutting down trees for profit, like all of these things are for money, which is only going to get us so far. Um, and my thing with all of this, whether it's it's quickly pumping out fuel from the earth, or if it's uh, genetically modifying potatoes, or tomatoes, or fish, or if it's, um, I don't know, cutting down trees to um, build things, and therefore like cutting out the processes of trees allowing or cleaning the air for us. Like what we are in at the moment is like we're dealing with we don't know how to deal with untempered processes. Like humans are pretty damn smart. Like we've figured out a whole lot of shit <laughs> in, in the time span that we've been on the planet. Like we know what the climate would be if unaffected five years from now because we understand those processes, but we're changing those processes and we don't know what the outcome can be from that. So whether we're changing the process of how fish reproduce, um, we don't know what the outcome is going to be of that. And if it's pulling out fuel too quickly from the earth and pumping it into the air, we're affecting processes in a way that we cannot, we have no control or understanding of where that's going to go. And for, you know, cultures as big as what the human culture has become, like having that insight into what to plan for is kind of what ensures our like lasting power <laughs> as a species on the planet. Okay, changing the subject. Let's talk a little bit. We've talked a little bit about the things that scare us. Let's talk a little bit about the things that we are currently doing that maybe big or small help make a difference? Like what, what kinds of tactics are you employing right now to save the earth? Oh, and, and just little things. I think what we were saying earlier about, like these are big problems, like really big problems. Like I <laughs> try not to cry. No, I'm not going to cry. I'm trying not to laugh at how horridly hysterical it is. Um, whenever Whenever David and I have tried to watch um, some of those, like, last episodes of Cosmos, <laughs> where, like, we talk, or where Neil deGrasse Tyson, who is one of my personal heroes, um, shows some models of, like, what happens to the Earth if we don't, like, make some decisions and move in different directions. Um, like, I almost can't even watch some of that stuff anymore. So, for me, though, it has been showing that shit to Lily. And it's, like, trying to educate her. And on multiple views I know a lot of what can happen um whenever you are like educating children as you like show them your view and that's it um but we have made mindful steps to show Lily multiple views of um of what can happen and because David and I have both been involved in the science side of it we know plenty of the views one of our professors was an adamant preacher about global warming not being a thing um and we all listened to it and we all read the articles um so giving Lily some of those perspectives for me one of those things though is educating my kid um, and it's showing her what's happening whenever we were on our road trip we had conversations with her about what was happening with the world and and she would get really sad about it we would talk about things that we could do um, so one for me is 
having these open conversations with my child, with the next generation, um, showing her multiple views of what's happening and what could happen. Um, and then also being a little more practical in some of the things that we do ongoing. So one of those is, um, we have a garden, like we grow a lot of, no, not a lot. We grow some of our own food. Um, not much, um, not so much that like we have a farm by any means. We just have a couple plants. We have some herbs. I grow my own herbs. I don't like getting those from the grocery store um, because those little plastic pouches make me sad. Um, <laughs> but we do grow a lot of our own herbs and um, just some fruits and vegetables that like get us through the summer really well. Uh, one of the things I want to do this summer is um, visit my grandmother and she's going to teach me how to can. So that will be something that we do in the future. Just sort of counting on ourselves. Um, um, for some food to um, make the transaction of getting food from plant to my mouth a little less intense in terms of transportation and packaging and goodness knows what else in between. So one documentary that kind of changed my life is called No Impact Man. Have you watched it? I haven't seen that one. Okay, it's really fascinating. It's about a guy who decided to make zero waste for a year. And I think that he had to build up to it. And I think he recruited his girlfriend to join the adventure. They may have even had a kid together. Anyway, definitely a challenge for sure. And after I watched the documentary, I was like, okay, I would make zero waste. That's really not feasible. But what I love about extremes like that is that now I do think whenever I'm at the grocery store, I would rather get some cilantro that's not in a package versus the stuff that is in a package. And do I really need to put it in a bag? I mean, sometimes I do because or else it will be more wasteful for it to go bad because it like dries out or whatever. Um, so, oh, and another thing is I tried to start a garden one year and I found out that it was actually more wasteful for us to try and we put more resources and money into trying to start a garden that failed miserably. I was like, you know what, I'm going to leave this up to the local experts. And I committed to buying my food locally for, um, for a good while. And so I would hit up the farmer's market every weekend. And rather than growing my own garden, I supported the guys locally who were better at it than I was. Um, so those are a couple of things I've done in that similar veil. But going back to No Impact Man, what I wanted to say about that is what it's done for me is it's really made me keep in mind packaging a lot. So I think a lot about how I can create less waste in general. So again, I'm not zero waste, but I bet I've cut it down by a fraction since watching that documentary. Um, one thing I feel guilty about all the time is how much I use Amazon Prime. So guilty! Like, <laughs> so like the way that um, like my environmentalism has gone down the tank whenever it comes to convenience, especially since having a child and then like feeling like I'm buying him all these toys that then the next year he's not even going to use and they're plastic and how much energy had to go into making this toy. But oh my God, he loves it so much. So stuff like that, I, I think about it, but I don't beat myself up about it. So just like we talk about with being a creative entrepreneur and getting your to-do list together and getting in the right mindset, it is a practice. It is not anything that any of us are ever going to be perfect at. So 
Just throwing that out there. Um, yeah. What else? You guys recently got a bat house, and I'm so curious about this. Tell me about the bat house. We did. I'm really excited about the bat house. So, like, this is this is definitely the purchase that David kind of had to talk me into um, because it's bats. So we live in the like foothills of the Appalachians, um, and we live in a, a bigger city. But it, we're Chattanooga is a pretty green city, um, which is one of my favorite things about. Which means there are tons of trees everywhere, and green city is actually like a technical thing like places are designated as green cities by having um greenery everywhere by having lots of trees um chattanooga is one of those which is one of my favorite things about it and one Oklahoma of the reasons- city is not i i know i noticed um <laughs> <laughs> and um and but because we've built a city in in a um in a central part of lots of um, animals' migration patterns, like we're right near a river, um, we're sort of at the end of the foothills, like lots of things migrate through here, um, David really wanted to get a bat house. And so it's just this little wooden structure that you stick up on a pole, and um, it gives bats a, a safe place to sleep uh, whenever they're here during their migration patterns. Um and again, David had to talk me into it. The first one he showed to me had a very large bat symbol on it. And he was like, this is going to be on a 15-foot pole. And I said, mm-mm. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm not going to be the bat house. Um, but he did end up finding one that has a much smaller and inconspicuous bat symbol on it. Um, that is just kind of like a two-by-three box that's about, and two-by-three feet, that's about four or five inches deep um and it's going to go up on a 15 foot pole and house um I think up to like 120 bats and um so one we're giving bats home which is really nice I was about to say do you buy the bats or do they find the they'll they'll find us potentially we won't have bats for like the first year or two which is is fine. Um, it's an investment long term in our local bat community, <laughs> but um, but the best thing about it, and the thing that totally sold me, was that bats eat mosquitoes like crazy. Hey, yeah. So apparently, one bat a problem everywhere. Or is it just um, no. like where we well, live? So here's something cool we learned while we were traveling the country because um, mosquitoes love me, love me really, really bad. Um, and so, but what I, there were a couple places that we would go where they would eat David, but not me, or they would eat Lily, but not David or I, or n- none of us would get eaten by mosquitoes, or we would all get eaten by mosquitoes. So I think like mosquitoes have different tastes in different places so you could go some places and not get affected um and because we live we live in the woods like I mean we're in a city but if the city weren't here this would be the woods um and so and we're right beside a river we're in um it's a really wet climate like I think we've been recently and do not quote me on this I've heard this around we've been recently redesignated as a temperate rainforest because we get so much rain so there's lots of standing water in a lot of places tons of mosquitoes um so one bat apparently will eat up to four thousand mosquitoes a night and so if our house fills up with a hundred bats that'll be four hundred thousand mosquitoes that are eaten generally around our house every single night so i'm not getting zika bitches (laughs) (laughs) i want a bat house now you should Google them. Um, we found tons of different kinds, and you can get just one. You can get like poles that will fit like three or four. It? How much did you guys spend on your bat house? 
um, a hundred bucks, maybe a hundred and twenty bucks, and included the bat house and the pole and like all the hardware. David's going to have to get. Um, he's getting some post hole post hole diggers and um, some cement. But so I think it was about a hundred, one hundred twenty bucks. I think bats are so cute. You know how like Paul Jarvis has a thing for rats. Yes, I like bats. That's hysterical. I think they're kind of cute too. And like I know a lot of people are like, oh, rabies. Um, and again, don't quote me on this because I don't have a hardcore source. But David found a little resource online, and don't believe everything the internet says. But sure, they said it on the internet um, that apparently only like forty people in the past forty years have gotten like rabies from bats. So that's but not watch even out. like Jane's going to turn into. Cujo. Oh, God. Isn't it? You, have you ever seen that movie? I have seen that movie. <laughs> and Cujo gets bit by a bat. I think that's how he gets rabies. Well, I think it was a bat in like a... No, because I thought he was down digging in a hole. Was it a bat or like a rabid skunk or something? Yeah, Cujo is the scariest movie That ever. is the scariest movie. But yeah, we got the bat house in today and David, I think, is going to put it up tomorrow. So I'll keep you guys updated on how the bat house goes. I'll Instagram my first bat friend. Alright guys, I know that Kathleen and I are taking you in a totally different place with today's episode, but we think that this part of our message is important to share. Being boss is knowing you're in it together, right? And with all things green being chatted about, I want to step back into the world of being boss and talk about one of my favorite ways to make green, money that is, in an ethical way that doesn't harm the earth in any way. One of my very favorite tactics for connecting with potential clients is through booking mini coaching sessions with folks who need my brand of help. So whether you're out to become an environmental consultant, helping make homes more energy efficient, or a wellness coach helping stressed out CEOs find their center so they can help make the world a better place, mini sessions are a great way for you to connect with potential clients who need your brand of amazingness. Here's how you do it. First, you're going to email your list and let them know that you are opening up three free 30-minute coaching sessions for the first three people who sign up. But first, sign up for Acuity Scheduling so that getting those mini sessions on your calendar is a piece of cake. Dairy-free is not required. And adding that Acuity Scheduling link to that email means that they can book with you easily, see how boss you are, and you can focus on wowing them with your expertise. Show up for that meeting and rock it out. As soon as you hop off the phone, send them a recap email of what you talked about, including an actionable piece of homework that will get them moving forward. Then follow up as needed to see if they're interested in really investing in having you help them reach their goals. Schedule clients without sacrificing your soul or harming the planet. Sign up for a free 60-day trial of scheduling sanity at acuityscheduling.com slash beingboss. Now, let's get back at it. Okay, so what else like what else are you doing that makes you feel better about your hippie your anti hippie ways? I'm cutting the rings on my Coke bottles. <laughs> Good. You should. We still do it. <laughs> um, I don't drink that stuff. Does your I guess your LaCroix comes in a box then. Don't act like you're too big to drink things that come out of cans. You know what? <laughs> Since I've been put on a budget since tax season, there are no more oh, LaCroix. No. Your LaCroix's got I cut I will drink out. water out of the tap is what's happening. <laughs> Damn tax season. There you go, Oklahoma. Fund your fracking <laughs> with Kathleen's LaCroix. Right? So, I mean, 
that will bring me back to this. I feel like the biggest impact I can make is moving to a city that supports my values, that is green, where maybe we could just have one car, utilize public transportation. That is something my husband is so passionate about and which Oklahoma offers zero of. Um, something else hard about that, though, like let's look at New York City, for example. I love living in Oklahoma because I can breathe fresh air and the cost of living is super cheap. Um, but also cities in some ways, I don't think that they're environmentally friendly necessarily. And I don't think that I would get the nature fix that I would get in New York city, which is why I'm looking at something like Seattle, because I can go to the national rainforest across the way. I can go climb some mountains. Um, so I just need to look at it, but that's like a big thing that I feel like I could do to make a little bit of an impact possibly. Yeah, that's that's one of the reasons why we decided to move to Chattanooga. So don't quote me on any of this, but they say, um, I believe it was in the 70s or 80s, um, some guy from some big news thing came to Chattanooga, was standing on one of our bridges, and told the world, more or less, that Chattanooga was one of the most disgusting cities he'd ever been in. Um, it was, like, it was super polluted. It was, like, super poor and super, like, unmanaged. Um, it was really disgusting. And um, the city rallied. And over the past 20 years, Chattanooga has become a super green city um, in a lot of ways. Like, our public transportation is um, either electric or hybrid. Uh, we have bike like legit bike lanes on the roads downtown um, and there are tons of incentives locally for things like getting um, getting solar panels or you know buying electric cars like Chattanooga has turned into a very green incentivized city uh, which is one of the reasons why we wanted to live here David and I are really passionate about a lot of this stuff we know a lot of things that are really scary and we don't want them to happen so for us it was you know if we're going to be paying taxes um, then let's pay them to at least a city not so much the state um, to a city that we that we believe in that is doing things that are good that are um that are supporting entrepreneurs and uh supporting tech development and um and putting their money in their mouth with where their mouth is in terms of wanting to be um a more sustainable city um they're actually doing it which is why we're here i love that so much you know, honestly, I think that you and I, Emily, are building a platform where even having a conversation about this could go a long way. So one thing I was thinking about as we were gearing up to do this episode was really recommitting to some of those little things that riled me up as an elementary kid, right? And so maybe now I'm not buying the Coke that I'm cutting the rooms on, but one thing I do buy a lot of is bottled water snap that's bad news bears <laughs> so unnecessary right. it is unnecessary i mean that said like look at flint michigan that aside like we live in the first world we can drink water out of the tap Right. Yeah, that's that's so, a habit I cut a couple of years ago. And I think there are a couple of those little habits that you can cut, like not doing bottled water, like just get a Brita filter for your like that goes into your refrigerator or fits right onto your tap. We did that a couple of years ago and it changed our life. Like it also super affected our budget. Bottled water is not cheap, um, but getting a Brita filter 
is. And I'm not drinking bottled water at home necessarily. I do have a filter here, but even whenever I'm traveling, I want to recommit to not buying bottled water at the airport or when I'm on a road trip. I have a really great water bottle that I can bring with me. Some other things that, you know, honestly, this is going to sound kind of silly, but I think that a thing that I could, that would make a big difference almost is creating an emotional, spiritual connection to the earth. I'm not about to get all wicked on you, but like going on more hikes and being in nature. And again, I think this is why I'm craving the Pacific Northwest so much, but there aren't a lot of opportunities here to get outdoors just because it's either balls hot or there's an ice storm or there's a tornado or it's so windy that you... <laughs> or there, there's flat and nothing to look I mean, at. I mean, yeah. <laughs> No, I know. Well, you don't really live in the most beautiful part of the country. Um, and that that's actually, so that that was one of the side effects of going on our like grand adventure this past summer and camping, um, doing like 40 days of living on the road was we really got reconnected to like to the planet um, and not why we were doing, we were not going out there to have some sort of like, um, some sort of like magical nature experience. We were going out there to like camp and hang out by the bonfire. Um, but it did give us that like that reconnection that we felt we needed um, or we didn't even know we needed to what's happening on the planet. Um, and it's also one of the reasons why we've decided not to do one this summer. We had the idea that we'd, we would want to do it again. Uh, maybe not quite as big this year as we did last year, um, but we've decided not to. And part of that's so that we can do more exploring around where we've recently moved. So we've lived here about eight months and we have not done near as much like outside exploration as we had um, as we'd wanted to um and we are committing to doing that this summer like we're not going to vacation elsewhere we're going to vacation here and we're going to do some hiking and checking out some things locally and I think that's a that's a good tip for anyone like reconnect to the earth a little bit go take a hike (laughs) go take a hike and um just be where you are live where you live for a minute and not live where you live in terms of the concrete structures around you but live where you live in terms of like your place on the planet and like in the natural world. And I think that's part of it too. Whenever I think about saving the world, I get really overwhelmed. I start thinking about wars. I start thinking about the oil industry on like a global level. But if you keep it local, which again is like Oklahoma is the oil capital of the world. Um, But if you, Keep it local. Think about the difference that you can make even in your neighborhood by planting trees in the median with your neighborhood association. Like there are things locally that can make a big impact, if anything, just your day-to-day life, if that makes sense. So um, I think that that's huge. I also, I'm trying to think of some other things that are little that really feel like they add up for me the packaging thing is huge like whenever I'm grocery shopping I'm more inclined to okay for example here's like a little tiny minor choice that I had to make the other day um was I was buying Fox and crackers and I could have gotten a tin pack where they were individually sectioned off which would have been perfect and like really easy to just get in a bag of crackers or I could buy the big box and divide it out myself into like a little bowl whenever he's eating. And so I bought the big box because it's less packaging. So that's like one thing that I really look at. I buy my oats in bulk rather than in individual packages. So for me, packaging feels like a big thing. Well, and I also think um, like, because 
whenever I think about some of this stuff, especially recently, I think about, I think back to the episode we did with Carolyn Elliott, where she says like that part about recognizing that your hands are not clean. And there's just, there's really on some level, if you want to be a modern human being, um, you have to be okay with the fact that you're getting your hands dirty in some way. Um, but so packaging is like one of those necessary little evils, unless you literally want to grow all of your food and kill all of your animals. Um, but like recycling is also the answer to that. Like being more mindful of buying the packaging that you know you can go home and recycle and then actually recycling okay, it. Okay, let's talk about recycling for a second. Sure. I'm not sure, and here's what got me thinking about this. I'm not sure how efficient it is for the earth because here's what got me thinking about this is I cloth diapered for a while and I felt real smug. Like I'm cloth diapering. But then... <laughs> I was doing so much laundry. Then I was thinking what went into producing the fabric that went into these cloth diapers? How much water am I spending? You know, and so for me, it kind of evens out. And then after a year, it got really stinky. It was not working for us anymore. My husband does all of the laundry and he was getting like really annoyed with how many diapers he was having to wash. And he was on board with cloth diapering too. So now we buy the disposables, like the seventh generation disposables and honest disposables. So they're disposable diapers that are allegedly more environmentally friendly. But all that cloth diapering started getting me thinking about recycling and like how much energy is going into recycling existing things versus, okay, so Let's look at um, paper versus plastic, for example, whenever you're checking out the grocery store. A certain amount of energy goes into making that plastic, but how much energy goes into making the paper? And then the paper breaks down. It doesn't fill a landfill. You know, it's just kind of like how you weigh those things out. So for me, I don't know, like looking at the grand scheme of things, I don't know how much recycling, I still do it, don't get me wrong. But I wonder how much of it is like it's just making us feel good. And then sometimes I watch the trash guy come pick up the recycling. No, I really do think about this all the time. I watch the trash guy come pick up the recycling and I'm like, that's going to a landfill. Right. So, I mean, all of those are (laughs) welcome to the like the issues of very many modern human beings. Because like Dave and I have had the same exact conversation. Like, is it really more like environmentally friendly for me to use like regular plates and put them in the dishwasher and waste that water than it is to throw out or like recycle a paper plate like because I don't know (laughs) like I really don't know and then at some point it's looking at what's going to preserve your own sanity and I feel like the cloth diapers were heading us towards divorce you know so like Divorce or people going through a divorce won't recycle anything. <laughs> like <laughs> they're just done. So no, well, and I, th- I think, I think on some levels becoming more educated, which I know on some level, like who has time for that? But this is our planet and the future of ourselves and our children. So maybe we should all like go watch a couple more documentaries and are like, I actually have a neighbor who recently told me she has instituted Saturday morning documentaries. And so while she's sort of putting around the house, um, she'll put on a documentary and um, like do the dishes. (laughs) Who knows what kind of soap she's using or, um, you know, cleaning the house and she'll put on a documentary. So maybe like, maybe I challenge us all, including myself to like, 
become a little more educated on the stuff that you do every single day. Um, and then okay, choose your so battles. I think that both of us should watch a documentary and do a blog post to follow up this oh, episode. I love that game. In totally doing it. All right. So then that means that you have to watch a documentary literally this weekend. <laughs> Snap. Okay, good. And I'll make my Thursday ep- I'll make my Thursday blog post uh-huh. like kind of a quick review. If you can just write like a quick recap of one thing that you learned one one action step that you're going to perfect and i'll do the same perfect let's educate the entire being boss community on how to recycle a little more smartly i think no impact man would be a good one that i'd like to recommend for you and i think it'd be fun for lily to watch too totally down we're doing it um good now i feel better about that i'm gonna learn something new um because i think I, I know that recycling is a pick your battles scenario and it is, it is for us. David and I have these conversations all the time. Um, and yeah, let's educate. I'm down. I also think my thing about this whole thing too, is that I don't want to be a slacktivist. I don't want to just like a post on Facebook. I don't want to just do this podcast and feel like I'm doing good by, you know what I mean? I yes. want to really, just do, do it. a couple of things. Yes. So my commitment is to stop buying bottled water altogether. And then maybe I'll come up with one more action step after I watch my documentary. I love that. I love that. I'll, I will watch a documentary too and see see what we can do there. Um, or And I will do that, not see what we can do. We'll do it. And my action step we haven't even talked about yet. That I'm ready to talk about it. And that is like working, giving into your business model. So, and that's something that we've remained really mindful of throughout the process of building Indie. Um, in that, you know, online businesses and entrepreneurs have the capability of having like unlimited earning potential. Um, and as much as sure, I could hoard all of that money away for myself, I would much rather invest in the world that I'm living in. So one of the things that we did is uh, whenever we launched our Toolkits subscription, which is a monthly subscription of management and marketing tips for online entrepreneurs, you can find it at toolkitsbynd.com, we decided to work giving into our model. So from the get-go, 25% of all of our revenue, so not profit, revenue, like from the top, um, goes to a good cause. And we've done some really good things with that money in the past um I guess eight or nine months since we launched it. Um, one of the things that we do is we sponsor a little girl in um, in Haiti through a Florence local charity called the 610 Project. Um, and we sponsor her and send her to school. So we pay for her, um, her supplies and clothes so that she can go to school in Haiti and hopefully have a bright and beautiful future. Um, we also have given to some local farms here in Chattanooga, um, Crabtree Farm excuse me, blah, Crabtree Farms is, um, is one of the ones that we've given to. And, um, and they're really great about telling us the kinds of things that they do with the money. And a lot of it involves educating kids and paying for field trips for local school children to come learn about farming and sustainability and just being little hippie kids. And then uh, we also very recently gave the last quarter of our contributions to the World Parrot Trust um, because I was in Disney and they had macaws fly over, which are some of my favorite birds, and they were talking about how horridly endangered they are. And I looked at David and said, that's it. <laughs> next next bit of money is going to the World Parrot Trust. Um, so we did recently give a couple hundred bucks to the Parrot Trust. Um, And again, it's not ever anything super substantial. I wish I could give like 
tons of money to uh, to these good causes that are capable of having a bigger impact than I than I am on my own. Um, but working that into my model um, and into a subscription model that we hope to only continue to grow over the next couple of years gives me the ability to give back to literally put my money where my mouth is in terms of wanting to support um, the parts of our human community that are doing good. Um, Sending money that way is how I like to do business. So for me, one of the challenges I want to make is uh, for all of you, like most of you are out there starting your own business, you're side hustling or you're getting started or maybe you're in it. Think about how it is that you can do the exact same. That's one of my very favorite things about this community as a whole is that most of us have giving built in already. So if you don't have it built in or maybe you're slacking, I want to challenge you to pick up the ante and um, and make giving a part of your model because that's something that makes me feel good. Um, and it's a way that I'm investing in my future in a way that's a little less direct than an IRA, but still feels just as good, if not better. I have a recommendation for this. Do it. So if you work a day job, there are a lot of ways that, you know, probably your employer wraps giving into, um, like they're giving programs, you know, so I know that whenever I worked at a day job, I could give to the United Way and then I could check things like Planned Parenthood that I gave to. Well, once you start working for yourself, it's a little bit harder to um, wrap that into like your systems and processes working for yourself. So Jessica Hish actually started a side project called 52by52.org. So that's 52x52.org, where she gave to one charity every week. So every week she's giving, and you could determine what that amount is, but I think it is systemizing it and putting it into your flow if you want to get serious about it, or maybe you just pick one. But I love the idea of spreading it across a lot and maybe that's less impactful because it's not as much money to like one person anyway but whatever um check out her website i just think that her um her heart behind starting that side project and really caring about giving was awesome my personal giving model and again this isn't always entirely green but it's just giving money to my friends who are raising funds for a certain project and especially if that project um is around something that's for social good, the more likely I am to give more money. <laughs> so, um, but that's something you doing that, Emily, really inspires me. And I hope that we can do that for Dean Boston as well. I agree. We are. We got some good things and talks. I'm excited about that. <laughs> mm-hmm. And for our listeners, let us know on Instagram what you might do or what you like doing or on Twitter. So we are at Dean Boss Podcast. Yep. Nope. Being Boss Club. <laughs> at Being Boss so Club. So we are at Being Boss Club on both Twitter and Instagram. Hashtag us, tag us. Let us know what you're doing to be more environmentally conscious or friendly, especially if you're a small business owner and you get to make choices around your business that help you be more environmentally friendly. Let us know what those are. We're all just trying to do our part. And again, it's about progress, not perfection. It's about awareness, not perfection. Um but I think we can all agree that we need to take care of the planet that we live on. There you have it. That's a challenge. At the time of recording, we have weekly listener numbers in the five figures. I don't want to hear anything about it's all so big I can't make a difference because together we absolutely can. 
For example, if all of our listeners commit to bringing reusable coffee cups to their coffee shop when they're working remotely, then we're negating the use of a hell of a lot of paper cups in a single week. And as our content strategist, Caitlin, shared with me, the Great Pacific Garbage Patch that's literally at least the size of Texas was contributed to by all of us. So it's up to all of us to stop contributing. Be sure to share all of your photos this week on Instagram and Twitter using hashtag beingbossgoesgreen to show us how it is that you take little steps in your everyday life and work to make the world a little bit of a healthier place. And just to give you some suggestions, here are some other things that you can do to be a little bit more of an environmentalist. You can stop drinking bottled water as Kathleen is going to do. I can't wait to see how she holds up. Buy sustainable packaging so that whenever you are buying things that have packaging, you are able to recycle them. Donate and give to organizations that help with sustainability. Get smart about local politics. That's where environmental laws start. And look at all of your business expenses and resources and see where you can make all those things more local. Recycle, go paperless, and make a point to educate yourself about issues that impact your everyday life. We look forward to seeing you on Instagram and Twitter at hashtag beingbossgoesgreen. Thank you for listening to Being Boss. Please be sure to visit our website at beingboss.club where you can find show notes for this episode, listen to past episodes, and discover more of our content that will help you be boss in work and life. Did you like this episode? Please share it with a friend and show us some love by leaving a rating and review on iTunes. And if you're looking for a community of bosses to help take your creative business to the next level, be sure to check out our exclusive community at beingboss.club clubhouse where you get access to our closed and very vibrant Slack group, monthly Q&A calls with Kathleen and myself, a book club, and more. Cultivate your tribe and find your wolf pack at beingboss.club clubhouse. Do the work, be boss, and we'll see you next week. I can only imagine what's going to happen in like, let's say 400 years when like some of our cities may be empty or something. What's going to happen with like giant mountain cats that are like from domesticated animals. I mean, just, and here's like, here's one of the things that I want to like really put out there. I mean, think about where human and like animal culture were 150 years ago. Like we didn't have smartphones or computers. I mean, like think about the changes that have happened in such a short period of time. And think about what can happen in the next hundred years. Like, I think it's going to be like Battlestar Galactica where like what has happened will happen again. And it's like all. Yes. Yes. Well, I think, I think that Game of Thrones is going to become real life. Like give it a thousand years from now. That's totally going to happen, I'm pretty sure. Um, but regardless, like, let's not get too sci-fi on everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's like, nerds. Right? Ooh.